Hello and welcome to this week's Stats One Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knudsen. How are you, James? I'm alright, Ted. It's Thursday. It is, yeah. I had a business trip. It's not a normal day, but, you know, we're here. Do we have a normal day at this point? You try and do Tuesday, I think. That's mainly mainly where we're at, but... We're like you know. your grandmother. We're mostly regular. It's FA Cup this weekend, though, so, I, mean, I don't know, next week's looking like a... Oh, no. Might have to do more research. <laughs> so, we'll have to watch different leagues. <laughs> I, I, we do that. I, I think each of us has our own our own teams internationally uh, in like the big five leagues that we we follow. So it's not yeah. unusual for us. But I, f- I follow the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> right. You keep anyway, doing this. <laughs> Everybody but the Americans. Like, shut up, James. <laughs> right. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Now, what are we going to talk about this week? We've got a few things. Um, Doing a late podcast means the Champions League Hove's interview, which is quite good. Maybe we could start there. Did you did you see anything, anything much of the Champions League this week, Ted? Hang on, James. We've got an announcement we have to make first. Oh, sorry. Go on. We keep doing this stuff. He, oh, you see how uninterested he is? Largely, that's because I've given him a whole bunch of extra work he's got to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is now my life. <laughs> so... Uh, so last week we had like huge announcements um, and we talked a little bit about our podcast uh, on the data upgrades, but what we didn't talk about was that we announced our intro course, which is uh, intro to analytics for football professionals. Um, and the idea behind the course was that <clears throat> we are going to, to kind of teach this from scratch. There's no really good book that, that does sort of the, the intro type stuff. And um, we think that actually sitting there with experts and being able to talk through a lot of stuff is pretty helpful. So for us, we wanted to, to spend some time uh, being able to launch this. It'll all be taught on the Statsbomb IQ uh, platform, which was kind of cool too. People will be able to, to get in and play around with all of the, um, yeah, all the different visualizations and, and data and cool stuff that we've got in our, in our, um, in our analytics platform. So like, that was one. And it sold out within, I think, five total days. We had three left for a day or two. Uh, it, the first one's held in Bath, and James is in charge of putting together everything um, because, you know, James has been doing this for a while too. Right, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a life now, Ted. <laughs> you don't choose it. It chooses you. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's that so. <laughs> All right. Um, so that, that course sold out. Uh, so why are we talking about it? Well, because obviously we do one, we can do more. And uh, this is a, a, pod, a podcast exclusive, which we've never done before. But we are in the process of booking uh, space for two courses in London. Uh, looks like it'll be uh, last week of May, first week of June, somewhere around there. Uh, the only reason why we haven't announced this uh, on the, the site itself and on social is that uh, we're waiting for the venues to get back to us. Uh, so the first course will, will again be the, the intro course. Uh, Going to try and keep that as cheap as we possibly can. It'll cost more because we've got to travel and pay for expenses and, and cover London room fee, which is not cheap. And then the second course is, is the big one. Um, so those of you who've been following stats bomb for a while know that i worked on a set piece program with fc Micheland and that helped them score effectively three goals in every four games from set pieces alone uh which is a pretty big deal it's like not quite half a goal over what the average team gets and they've continued to maintain that and i, I talked a bit about this in a in a piece called we broke denmark or i think we broke denmark <clears throat> um we do consulting on side pieces uh, for different teams, but 
at this point, we're looking at it and thinking that you know, it's time for a revolution to happen. And so, you know, we broke Denmark, but we're going to help all of you guys break the rest of football when it comes to side pieces. And so we have designed and are putting together a one-day course to teach you the methodology behind set piece design, um, what we look at when we we start to, to build these types of things from a, an analysis perspective, and then all of the little things that you need to know about corners and wide free kicks and direct free kicks and everything else. Um, it's not happening until the off season, um, so you know, you'll have to you have to wait for it. Uh, but if it's successful, we'll we'll do this in other places too. So we're going to do this in London right now. Um, potentially we will do an America tour in the summer. If you're interested in that, do let me know. Uh, it'll be based around major cities. Uh, the intro course will always come with us as well. We think that that's a really big deal. Plenty of people that are sort of coaches and interested are looking for ways to get into this and, and find it more accessible. We think that we can do that. <clears throat> and if it's, <laughs> if we get feedback telling us, uh, you know, things could be better, then we'll improve it in based on feedback, just like we always do. Um, so that's the, you know, the big announcement is that we're going to start teaching people to do set pieces the way that we, we do them at the club level. Um, I don't know how often we're going to do it. It depends on demand. And then we've got a second course that James is just like, Oh God, <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't hear the groans in the background. Man. <laughs> uh, we've got a second course that we will probably do not as often based around recruitment. Um, we have, at this point, an awful lot of experience in football recruitment uh, from a statistical perspective, but not just a statistical perspective, a lot of practical lessons inside of it, um, a lot of things that we think are important and other things that are not, that aren't necessarily clear from anything we produce either on the side or social. So we will also build that course and we'll teach it probably a few times a year in different places. Uh, again, you know, the recruitment one's probably more narrow. All coaches can do um, set piece stuff and would find interesting recruitments much more for you know, people that are either want to get involved in, in football um, or are already there and want to incorporate that into the mix. Um, these courses will be a bit more expensive, uh, not least because like we spend a lot of time doing this. There's a lot of expertise baked in, but it should still be accessible as like a normal sort of extended continuation learning. Uh, so yeah, as soon as we have a venue, or even maybe before, we will start selling tickets for those. Uh, I suspect it'll be 50 slots for um, for the London one at first. And uh, if you guys are excited, please tell us, because that will, again, allow us to to potentially expand into other places and, and other venues. And if you're not excited, you know, not telling us is the norm. So <laughs> continue on with that. All right, now we can continue on with our thing, James. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> There'll be good courses, so um, if you are interested uh, in the future ones that arrive, do sign up and uh, come and talk to us. And, I've been terrorizing know. James with this for a while now, and uh, I will be there at least in the in the early days to, to teach these as well. It'll be the two of us, potentially some special guests along the way. Uh, in America, we might bring our data scientist, Derek Yam, uh, along with us, Big Tater. Um, yeah, so there you go. Cool stuff, huh? Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, where, where did we get back to? Oh, yeah, the that Champions was it. The, League. Da -da. Did you see any of the Champions League this week, Ted? Because you, I know you've been busy and traveling, so you'd be quite easily forgiven if you haven't seen much of it. Well, I, I did see a team from Paris play a different team from Manchester, so I could talk about that one a little bit. Yeah, that's um, what did Solskjaer call it? A reality check. 
Um, I think that's valid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly from a results pers- result perspective. Um, so if you've it, been listening to the pod, you know that we have had some concerns about, you know, the social, like they've had results, but against the good teams, those results have come off of the back of like not great performances and a bit of luck and some, you know, player skill that happens too. Uh, but now they face a team that has an awful lot of player skill and a team especially that is... It's just so dangerous in the middle of the park and on the break, even without Neymar and Cavani. And I think that, you know, you saw that at Old Trafford on Tuesday night. Yeah, it reminded me, in the old days, Madrid used to do stuff like this. They'd come, they'd, 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 they'd go to Old Trafford. I, mean, I think it was one game, they might have won 3-2 at Old Trafford, the Ronaldo hat-trick game. Um, old Ronaldo hat-trick game, this is how far we're going back. But they just came up and they just look, came over and just looked like a, a better class of football team. And I, I think I think Paris Saint Germain did that this this week. You know, you just you just you could just see that their their even with injuries and stuff, their their kind of ideas and just um, cohesiveness was just just that little bit ahead of Man United. Well, here's um, the thing: right? I, Paris Saint Germain had been you know, in in tactics Twitter, especially early, and uh, not Twitter, but like tactics articles early in the season. Like, they were ruffled. I, <laughs> maybe is how we would say it. you know the Liverpool loss. At Anfield, one of the top five teams in the world probably right now, last year's Champions League finalists, you know, they, they got uh, pretty harshly criticized by, by some people, including Jonathan Wilson. Um, and then yeah, they are absolutely stupidly rolling their league this year. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's a farmer league. Except, you know, Leon did quite well against Manchester City uh, in the Champions mm-hmm. League. So maybe it's not such a farmer league. I don't know. Um and and so you know there's there's been this perception that yeah whatever PSG their their giant lead and the the you know the hard time they had at Anfield like those are unearned really uh, although they did you know win the the turnaround tie to progress through and Napoli have been quite good and it was a tough group and, and whatever so they show up at, at Manchester United and and the narrative behind this is that they have lots of injuries uh, they aren't a particularly great team. Uh, petrodollars, blah, blah, blah. And then Manchester United are, are rolling. And it's true in that way. Like, Manchester United have been rolling. It's it's such a different team from, uh, you know, the Jose Mourinho era. But the things that Mourinho was worried about, including, you know, defensive cohesion and ability to stop the ball progressing from the, the opponent, which is something that Manchester United haven't had to worry about that much because they face some pretty easy opponents. And, that, you know, it's fun to watch Pogba and Martial and Ra- Rashford attack. That hit a wall <laughs> it was it was interesting to see that um you know just quite how starkly uh united didn't really create a thing the whole game um you know they, they that's been you know the bedrock of their recent success is uh scoring goals and you know the defense has not been quite under quite so much pressure apart from uh probably the tottenham game where De Gea performed heroics but um yeah just the fact that they you know, barely threatened Paris's uh, Paris's goal whatsoever. It was you know really quite stark. And I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, despite all this, basically what's happened is is exactly what everyone predicted happened three months ago when or when the draw came out. You know, Paris Paris Saint Germain are a better team than Man United. They're still a better team than Man United, and they'll probably go through quite comfortably. Certainly off the back of a, a did two score off a set piece and uh, and an amazing Kylian Mbappe sprint. To, to get in front of that ball for the second goal, uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't completely one-sided, and, and Manchester United do look better than they used to. But it is, as as Solskjaer mentioned, it's a bit of a wake-up call, and uh, you know they've got some issues. 
Yeah, and the death schedule coming forward is is really tough. I think they've got who've they got? They've got they travel to Chelsea and Arsenal. They welcome. <laughs> well, thankfully, neither of those teams have been great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's still not a gimme. Yeah? But they welcome City and Liverpool, and they've got the return leg of, the, of this fixture all in the next seven games. So it's like five five games out of the next seven are all kind of like uh, you know tough games. And at the end of that, it'll be fascinating to see what the, what they've managed to uh, get out of it, and whether the calls for Solskjaer are still still as as rich as they have been. It's interesting actually that I think last last week the saw probably in the media like more the first time there was there was kind of like what felt like serious talk about like Solskjaer being given given the job full time rather than you know just kind of speculative maybe I don't know I'm, I'm guessing maybe his agent saw, saw the schedule and thought we better get this locked down quick <laughs> <laughs> before, before it goes the other way but yeah what's, what did we have Man United at 0.3 XG in that game 10 shots 1 on target yeah. I mean it's just just nothing yeah, uh, against you know weakened side. Imagine that that side. <laughs> Danny Alves is one of the <laughs> the attackers there. It's more of a three five two, I think. Um, yeah, for for whatever reason, <clears throat> who scored slash Opta have it as a as a four four one one. But you know, with Alves and Bernat, and then the three center backs in the middle. Um, yeah, it was mostly about overloading the center parts of the pitch, but still being able to advance via Di Maria, etc. Um, one thing I do want to note before we move on is that. Aside from attackers, I think Marquinhos has been the best player that I've seen in the big leagues this year as a non-attacker. Like every game that he's involved in, especially the big games, he's doing fantastically subtle things that just knock things out. It's you know the the way that people talk about Busquets, like that's kind of how I have seen Marquinhos this year and watched quite a few games, obviously. So yeah, I mean they've they've moved him out, haven't they, of the central defence, and now he's now he's a midfielder. I, I I always like that play. It's 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 kind it of almost fun. never works. <laughs> no, exactly. It's it's one of those ones. It's like, hmm, who who in this team is defensive? <laughs> you can you can move forward. But but uh, he's so talented and does so many things that it actually does work for him, and he's you know, super important. And he frees Verratti. Like Verratti's good uh, and Verratti's great. Let's be honest. Verratti has such an amazing skill set aside from getting the red car- uh, yellow and red cards. Um, but it, it frees Verratti and, and Di Maria to be able to do a lot more things, uh, which is part of the, the danger of that team. And credit to Tuchel, people were like, yeah, whatever. This team doesn't even look good. He's got to deal with all the personalities. Like They're still going on, even with all the injuries. Uh, who knows what's going on behind the scenes there? Like all of the rumors that come out, like, you know, it's probably just a lot of noise, but PSG are a big club and the big clubs often have a lot of dysfunction at least at the rumor level. But, you know, it looks like they're in position to to keep moving on, which is really the job. It's funny, I think, like, t- to some regard, uh, it, just the narratives around, like, the Champions League kind of drift, it, ebb and flow through the season. I think uh, PSG have got a little bit forgotten about, um, which they shouldn't be. <laughs> and I think Madrid are the other team have got a little bit forgotten about. I mean, they, I don't think they were at their best to, to uh, beat Ajax last night, but beat them they did and that's <laughs> that's the same old uh, thing that we've seen from Madrid over the last few seasons but and they, 19 shots they gave up <laughs> I know 
It doesn't seem to matter with them. If it's the Champions League, they've they've just got a, they've just got a way of finding their way through. So this is their get out of jail free card. Every time uh, they play in the Champions League, it's like <laughs> you can just pass go, collect your two hundred dollars, etc. We're okay. They're quietly they've quietly started winning games as well. Actually, it's just um they actually scored three goals yeah. in a recent game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, I guess you could always suggest that. Um, from a manager perspective, it could, could take Solari time to get his ideas across, and there's too much talent in that squad just for it to just to just kind of like meander around. Um, you know, they, they've they still need more more kind of in in attack long term, but um, and to kind of regenerate some of their team. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's still Madrid. Um, Champions League's wide open this season, actually, Ted. It's quite interesting. Is there anyone that you like you particularly like the look of uh, to win the lot, or are you kind of like me <laughs> a little bit? Um, a little bit not sure and leaving it to the gods. Well, I I think this this one looks very much towards the gods for a lot of reasons, and the reasons are cool, right? So, uh, Real Madrid are are in this funky period, but still pretty good. And the the huge criticism of Solari when he, he came and took over was that they just didn't attack, and we actually see this a lot. I don't know if people notice this, but um, most of the time. Managers come in and they don't want to give their players any freedom because they need them to to adhere to like the defensive principles. And the defensive principles take a while. Usually that's an off-season to teach somebody. We've seen it with a lot of pressing managers, um, sometimes even middle block managers. Like it is a bit of a struggle, especially to take over mid-season. So like Madrid are are have have seemed to have progressed through that. And now we're putting up a lot of three and four goal games, which is what we expect from them. But it took them, say, a couple of months to to get to where they wanted to be. It's really interesting. Like I think Madrid, um, United, and and Milan are yeah Milan all have uh, sort of club legend managers that are actually sort of in and around the Champions League. No one's quite sure what to make of their season so far. Um, Gattuso's been there for for next year, but like. Are they gonna are they gonna lock the, these guys in for for a long time because you know they there were struggles or are they gonna splinter apart? It's like there's a lot of funky tension in in these big clubs from different countries and it's, it's kind of been a, a fun year to look at it. And then you have like the tradition Bayern Munich struggling, um, Barcelona struggling a bit for Barcelona, and yeah. uh, and and then like City are are City and look like they've kind of come out the other side of their struggles. So it's it's been like a fascinating season from a Champions League perspective in that. If you talked, if we, I think we actually did this podcast back in like November, and we're like, oh yeah, these these teams look amazing. And since that time, a lot has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I think I've, I've something I've thought for a while is that there's there's a kind of like dearth of uh, there's a dearth of obvious candidates for top level managerial jobs. Um, insofar as most of the 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 kind of traditional bunch of uh, you know, kind of successful managers that have, that have won Champions Leagues and you know top flight leagues have kind of like they've cycled through the the big jobs in recent years, and it feels like the next generation is 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 yet to take hold, and that's why you end up with a situation with um, you know people like Gattuso, like who you know didn't doesn't have credentials as, as like a you know wildly successful manager, but has a lot of links to the club, Solskjaer as well. You know, you you think Solskjaer. No one in a million years would think that Solskjaer could be like the permanent Man, Man United manager uh, until like he got the caretaker job, and it was like, well, he could. Um, 
Yeah, and, and all it takes is performing, right? And, and so many of the class of 92 have just been, well, just put me in and I'll perform. And uh, that's a huge risk for, especially if you if it's your first job. You know, we've got Paul Scholes going down to Oldham to to, to get experience. You know, Solskjaer uh, was in Norway, then came to Cardiff briefly in a really weird Cardiff period, and then goes back to Molde and, and does all right. And it is a learning process. We talk about this so much. Like as a coach, you have to learn. And the only way you get to learn is like having reps or being next to somebody you know, to do that as well. But you eventually you end up having to make your own choices because you're at the top. Um, yeah, and, and I think you're right too. Like the coaching carousel as it were is like a 20-year career generally uh sometimes sometimes 30 especially if you're a young german manager so like you know nagelsmann maybe maybe around for a good long while but um and, and over that time you if you're really good you can cycle through those jobs but there are also enough big teams out there now i think you know the, italy has has probably five to six um obviously uh UK has has six. Uh, Spain has, you know, depending on what season it is, has has six. And so, like, you know, you can cycle through these sort of medium big tier to big big tier. Um, Simeone hasn't moved, which I think is another one that you know you would have expected him to get plucked along. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see these guys get chances, and and we don't know. We're in that that moment where you just have no idea where it's going to end up. Yeah, especially when you've got someone like Chelsea who rotate through managers like you know every couple of years it seems. Um, and obviously, I mean, we can segue loosely to that. If Man City 6, Chelsea nil feels like a lifetime ago. This is what happens when you record a podcast on a Thursday. But, um, <laughs> yeah, suddenly suddenly, Sarri's under legitimate pressure after chipping 10 goals in two away games. And um, uh, the whole argument kind of this, this week uh, before the Champions League kicks in was like, you know, do you give your manager time to kind of work things out? Much as Man City did, did for Guardiola in his first season. They had some horrible defeats. And themselves, I remember them losing, I think, 4 0 at Everton, and um, I think they had shipped, might have shipped 4 to Leicester as well that season. Wow. That first season. Everyone's and forgotten that. Yeah, yeah, that first season, it just didn't it didn't fly for him at times, and Claudio Bravo couldn't save us, couldn't save a damn thing. And um, yeah, so there's that, that question, and Chelsea just, uh, you know, they're not, not known to be a team that, like, really kind of sits with the manager and lets them develop, but you feel like they, they kind of have to. They almost have to do that, but there comes a point where a result, a result, or two results are just so bad that I don't know. Chairman get itchy trigger fingers and such. Um, well, it's not even that. Like if it's if everything was sort of positive and 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 normal, sort of behind the scenes and in the press, like that's one thing. And you're like, oh yeah, sure, it's a weird season, but you know there are reasons behind it. But if it's a weird season and the comments of the press are like, well, I don't know how to motivate this team or this or that, like that's where things get slightly awkward. And and I don't know, like Chelsea, you know, we don't have any any extra insight there, but it, it does contribute to to the oddity. I think before, you know, that that was that was days ago, James. Let's let you talk about something you must be really, really chipper about, which was last night's three nil victory over the current German leaders by your Tottenham Hotspur. This is, I mean, this is fun as well, purely because you know you've got the. Yeah, yeah. This all this always used to happen uh, when Italian teams played Premier League teams. Italian teams played Premier League teams, and it would be hyped before the games, like oh, a bit of a matchup, and then Premier League teams would just beat them up. And um, it went on for years, like kind of like the end of the last decade and into this decade and stuff. And it was like, oh, Italian football's rubbish. And now we've got this same kind of like lazy narrative. 
um, that's good. Like that's people are people are going to have watched last night's match and be like, "Oh, Tottenham just beat up Dortmund. German football must be no good." And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not quite that simple. Um, <laughs> sure it but is. but literally, you know, the, every now it's like Zlatan had a terrible reputation in this in this country for years. That's because, true. Because he just didn't seem. I don't think he performed well. And so he got the overhead kick for Sweden. Like no, like the kind of viewing public never saw him do good things. That is uh, so insane because he's just like a serial <laughs> league winner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's brilliant, and it's like no the casual fan just sits in and sort of he didn't score. You know, away at Man United. Or something. <laughs> not, he's no good. He's rubbish. Him anyway. But it was a fascinating game last night because I think one of the interesting things was was how how cautious both teams um, uh, took took it because. Over the years, you know, Dortmund, especially not the not the manager, but Dortmund as a club, have been known as you know a very energetic team with pressing and such. And so have Tottenham, obviously under Pochettino. And Pochettino has evolved there, and obviously Favre isn't isn't really the the kind of like pressing manager that they've had before. So it was really quite cagey. Uh, a lot of passes the first half in deep. Of all of the games in this round have been fucking terrible. Right? <laughs> it's like watching Arsenal, except for worse, because no one wants to attack at all. So uh, I, it's, it wasn't just this game, but it's been awful this round. Thankfully, the second half's been really, really good payoffs. No, it's, it's <laughs> interesting that like that, that's that's um, you know that's that's certainly been the case. You know, no one wants to give too much away, and and then this game obviously the the whole complexion changed with a quick goal after half time from from Sun. And then it it felt to me, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm probably just applying my own narratives on top of reality, but you know, when when they went one nil and then it didn't, it was kind of nip and tuck until it got to 2-0 and then they kind of fell apart uh, although you know Tottenham created a lot of you know a reasonable amount of shots in that period and and Dortmund created absolutely nothing you just looked at that Dortmund team and it was like there's there's a lot of young players in here I think there were five players like 22 or under and like all the flank players were, were young players and you got Jan Vertonghen looking like you know the best wing back you've ever seen age 31 or whatever it is <laughs> and up against uh, you know in the second half up against um was it Hakimi and Sancho and it just felt like one of these one of these, you know, crafty veteran works out how to how to how to kind of <laughs> you know dominate his opponents, uh, kind of things. But and that this is and this is interesting to me as well because for forever Tottenham have been the young team on the rise, um, and last night it was actually like no, this uh, most of this team is is experienced and you know in kind of prime peak years or even you know slightly older than that, and against generally a young Dortmund team. Again, I'm 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 mapping probably a little bit too much into that, but it's it's just you know something to think about. Uh, in I don't think that's unfair. I also think, uh, and Lewis Ambrose said a little bit about it, and I said something about it last night on Twitter. Like I think the Dortmund team is is a bit sort of taxed right now. Um, you look at the last month of there, uh, so like 19th of January, which is a while ago, but they faced uh, Leipzig away, and Leipzig are super tough. And then uh, beginning of February, it's uh, it's Frankfurt away. 120 minutes in the in the Pokal, uh, Hoffenheim at home, and then they have to go to Spurs. And and that that 120 minutes into Hoffenheim into Spurs was like you know back to back to back, short, fairly mm. short rest. 
as you mentioned, this is a fairly young team. With injuries as well. With injuries. With injuries. Yeah, there's no Royce on there as well. Uh, Guerrero, I don't think, got a start. They they, they also tend to run injuries. They, they have some very good players, but a bit like Arsenal of old, they, they do tend to get injured more often than you might like. Um, and in the last two games, they've shipped six goals in second halves, uh, which yeah. is which is huge. So like all of that kind of plays into a bit of a mess. And you know if they if they go back to Dortmund at at two nil, uh, maybe they've got a pretty good chance. But that third goal actually I think might really matter. We'll see. Um, but yeah, they I would not have managed this squad in this way, knowing how they they've got some elite skill players but don't have a ton of depth. And I, I would not have been willing to, to sort of give so many guys as much playing time as they had. Yeah, it's possibly didn't have a lot of choice there. But then, you know, Tottenham have had their own injuries. No Kane, no Ali is, you know, uh, quite a big loss. And the, the revolutionary midfield of Winks and Sissoko marches on regardless. So uh, apparently it's interesting. Apparently their manager's pretty good. Don't yeah. Anybody else knows that. <laughs> it's interesting, though. But um, I think going back to the Champions League as a whole... Um, I'm probably a little bit biased, but I, I I think Liverpool are slightly underrated. No one who wants to play Liverpool like, and obviously Man City the same. I, I think I'm really looking for the, the the kind of teams on the up, which of which Liverpool, Man United, kind of the sorry Man City are the are the perfect examples um, to kind of like break through and you know re-establish a kind of different order at the top of European football and. It, it would be good if like uh, one of these teams could make could actually win a Champions League and and draw a line behind the kind of Madrid dominant era. Sure. Um, and we thought maybe that could happen last year. I mean, there was the, you know Man City were favourites for quite a lot of the, I think were favourites for quite a lot of that, and then Liverpool obviously got to the final. Liverpool, Liverpool, people not respecting Liverpool. I I would not want to play Liverpool Why? if I was any team. It's just, yeah, just. I think I looked at the prices and they were nine to one to win the whole thing. And it's like, uh, like there's three or four teams ahead of them. It's like, well, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to be betting against them. It looked looked like a bit of value for me. Anyway, but the other match that uh, that happened that we haven't touched on uh, was Roma versus Porto. And uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know if you've paid attention to Roma matches this year, but <laughs> you keep talking about these Roma matches. <laughs> Lots so happens. They're absurd. <laughs> <laughs> just like goals and huge leads that are then kicked away and you just you never know it's a if you're not a Roma fan it's actually very fun to watch because of the chaotic elements and I think in in the modern day many of us root for chaos because you know that's what the real world seems like it is anyway um so Zaniolo uh the the kid <laughs> man this is going to be one of those those it looks like anyway one of those all-time thefts of uh, of young talent. Uh, he he came over from Inter in uh, in effectively a part of a swap deal for um, Nangolan. And Nangolan, they <laughs> the stuff that doesn't end up in the papers about Nangolan is uh, is probably pretty telling. Oh, uh, <laughs> anyway, he's not had the the best of time at Inter. Zaniolo looks like a, a a young star, sort of on the rise. Only nineteen, which is huge as well. Um, people are like, oh, he's overhyped. Look, it's just, you know, you've got a 19-year-old that's playing in, in the Italian capital that is scoring goals regularly and, and working his ass off in terms of, like, pressure and stuff. And so, anyway, uh, Roma come out with a 2-1 victory off of two Zaniolo go- goals, gave a late one up to Adrian Lopez, though, and the, the return will be very challenging. Roma, don't forget, knocked out Barcelona last year. So, uh, 
Uh, they, got... yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's still one of the great mysteries, isn't it? How that actually happened. Not <laughs> only knocked them out, but from 3-0 down, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's absolutely wild. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, the Champions League carries on. We got, I guess we've got the next set of matches next next week, so we'll probably end up having a having a chat about them again uh, soon enough. But it's it's kind of good, it's good to have it back. It's all, the business end of the Champions League is probably the best football you're going to see. Well, three uh, of the four matches next week are, are really exciting you get mm. young Lyon versus barcelona in Lyon. um right you get liverpool bayern at anfield and uh you've got atlético versus juve and madrid and and that game could be watching paint dry but it'll be tactical <laughs> it'll be tactical painting as one for the one for the purists <laughs> is the, the way to describe that do you have a little chat about our what is it um this salah thing because this was quite fun i think this was an idea about um Thiago Estoval, who's a good guy, stats bomb contributor over the years, um, he, he put up this idea last night on Twitter, and it, it kind of provoked a bit of reaction about like he he thought that he thought it would be worth swapping Dybala for Salah. Um, he obviously likes Dybala a lot, thinks he's an exceptional player. I don't don't, don't tune out Anfield or Liverpool people. We're, we're going <laughs> to stick on this one. I don't I don't I don't think he's wrong in that. Dybala is 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 an excellent player. Um, He's not having a great season this year. You wonder how much the Ronaldo vortex is taking away from his, <laughs> his, his game. Everyone's game. It's a, it's one of those things. But there is only one ball. I think this is less about less, less about how good Dybala is, but like the idea that anyone that Liverpool would ever want to swap Salah out, I thought was was wild because. Um, so James and I put thought into this. We actually <laughs> prepared for this. We did research uh, because it is such an. So who in the world? Would you swap either straight up or with some small amount of money involved, Mohamed Salah for in that Liverpool team? It's literally yeah, and it's really it's really hard to even get a short list. Obviously Messi, but that doesn't count because you know <laughs> it's just whatever. <laughs> but you know it's included. And you could and you could just say no, he's old and Salah is just like you know twenty uh, twenty six or whatever it is. So, but he's still Messi. Yeah, it doesn't really So, you know, next tier down from Messi is basically Mbappe yeah, yeah, and... Hey, 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 There is no tier down from Messi, and this is this is my contention now. Oh, we're, really? We're seeing the passing of the torch. There is no tier down. All right, so Mbappe's, like, the kind of... The not Messi, like, selection. So I, you know, I'm, I'm spoiling this in the pod, but I'm thinking, like, at the end of the season, there may be an article in this where basically you're like, look, the, this kid... Has, has taken over and it, it was always the best two players in the world and everybody else well now it's the best two players in the world but the second one has changed <laughs> i think you could be right so i mean that's the question so so like now we've got mbappe and messi and and i think most people like mbappe is just a small upgrade on salah probably in creativity and pace and uh and in youth <laughs> so, but but you know you might you might argue with that but i think that we think that those two are pretty clear and then you hit ones that you're like huh yeah then you hit ones that you're like yeah they're great but i'm not going to swap salah for them like there you I, go. I did um what is it i quickly like because salah's like his, like his, he was great in Italy, but like you know, what is Mohamed Salah? It's basically he is the guy that's been the man for Liverpool for the last season and a half, and like in that period of time, he has on a per per game basis like contributed to I think one point zero seven goals per game, right? And we're not talking these about expected goals. goals. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about actual actual output here because you know that's 
you know, over a long period of time, that does kind of <laughs> does kind of count. And um, assists. Uh, so this yeah, is a scoring so, contribution, right? Yeah, goals and assists, one point zero seven. Now Mbappe is at one point one three in the same period. Messi is at one point three seven. So he's just in a different different planet entirely. But this includes last season. So yeah, yeah, two two seasons, some- Champions League, league. So, you know, reasonably robust length of games. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think Neymar. Neymar was good. Neymar was at 1.3, which is like second on this list. But he hasn't played much. He's been a bit in and out. So, so that's the question. That's the This is the threshold right now where we're at. And you're like, hmm, do I want to trade a sometimes or you know, often injured Neymar? Probably because he gets the shit kicked out of him, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, for Mohamed Salah. They're the, they're the they're the they're the two the two guys that are kind of like the the right age the same age and like with this you know similar kind of outputs and whatever. But I'd still say no. I'd still say no. We're fine with Mo, which is good. I I think so too. Um, he's a little bit faster. He might not be as good of a creator or a ball progressor, but it's the goal scoring really. And and I think Salah you know scores more goals and that's that's what drives Liverpool forward. So if you're taking even that combination of stuff. You don't need as much creativity. You need the guy that's going to finish regularly because Liverpool have those other elements, or at least in the mix, and uh, and they would find Salah very hard to replace. I mean, Kane's not even in this discussion, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't do the calculation for Kane, but I'm sure his his is, his is um, perfectly fine. And again, he's he's that same kind of age, so uh, you know, you you yeah, you'd put him in that kind of that kind of mix with um. Yeah, at least as a goal scorer, although he's you know, ever more creative. Like Dybala, we looked at the looks at the numbers, and, and he's down on like 0.72 goals and assists per game across the last two seasons, which is a little bit skewed towards it not going so well uh, this this season. But it, it's interesting. I, I, it'd be interesting if someone does think, you know, if, if Thiago is not the only person that looks at Dybala and thinks, I tell you what, we've there's a player there. <laughs> we can if we can get him out of out of Juventus, and he can he can kind of lead our lead our attack. Um, We're pretty sure he's a good long range shooter. Uh, but continuing on with the idea, like there are a couple of other players that are kind of in and around that potential area. So like Raheem Sterling, mm. he's got the pace. He doesn't play in the same way that Salah does, but you know, just turned twenty four this season. What are we thinking? <sighs> He still I just doesn't feel like he's at that level, um, even though he's he's like incredibly close to it. Like I don't know Salah. I think Salah's just like the most destructive, like uh, attacker in the Premier League. Like on his own, he is like the best in the Premier League. He he and Mbappe have very similar similar skill sets in that they are so fast and good technically with the ball that they just they destroy defensive shape, which is probably the thing that you need most out of like Sterling also destroys defensive shape Sané does it because he's so brutally fast um, yeah and this is not to critique uh, uh, Sané or Sterling at all but it just feels like they're just what, what they're just a step below they're yeah, just a step no, below fine. and that's you know it's, it's just not <laughs> again it's I, I, feel, I feel mean saying that but um no it's it's okay though because it, it's it's really about respecting how good Salah has been yeah, and he's got so many goals, like in all competitions. And why would you ever swap that for any, for anything else? I think like Salah's. I mean, he's twenty six, like twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. I think when you're at this at this standard of player, 
then like you you probably you're probably less interested in age curves than you are in a kind of like overall perspective mm. um and so at least three years more that you want Salah to be a Liverpool player and still contributing and maybe even maybe even more at that stage but yeah so that was the I think unless you've got something to do, that was that was the kind of the <laughs> the idea here that you'd want to swap Salah for pretty much anyone is I'm not with it so I, I do have one spike in this and the age will will rule it out notice we haven't talked about Ronaldo because like Ronaldo he's you know he's fallen off a bit and he's playing for a Juve team that, that steamrolled a lot of, but his, his shot distance has really changed. Uh, I think we were in uh, Corriere del Sport uh, with a lot of information about that uh, a few weeks back. Uh, but Lewandowski, I don't know if you've looked at his stats this year, especially from an XG perspective, but they are outrageous. I don't he, think I have. Uh, so I, like, I, I, kind of, I think I disregarded like the older players, Messi apart, in, in this conversation, just because it was, uh, you know, the, which way is the world, world heading, but... Yeah, depending on. on which model you're looking at, his XG is at 0. 0.80. Right. And his XG assisted is 0. 0.38. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all-round all round forward play. Like, no, no, and, and it changed from last year. Like, last year, he, he had very little XG assisted. This year, he's much more full-featured, like he was at Dortmund. His, his good years at Dortmund were this entire package of he scores, but he also creates as well. Um, you know, I think it's gotten lost in the Bayern struggles, but he's been unbelievably good especially as a as a 30 year old this year for for Bayern um, now you know because of his age you probably wouldn't trade him out but you still put him in that discussion of especially for a particular season top five players in the world this year you know you're looking at Messi and Mbappe and probably Neymar if he plays enough to sort of meet that threshold uh, Lewandowski Salah uh, you know, Sterling may be in there but not many others it's a uh, yeah it, we are seeing that final changing of the guard now um, where Ronaldo has aged to the point that you're like, yeah, okay, he's probably top 10, but not top five. And uh, and, and some of the guys, you know, people don't respect how <laughs> how unusual it is just to score a goal every other game, to score to yeah. score 15 to 20 goals a season. No, absolutely. That actually doesn't happen that many times. Honestly, it was like when I was a kid, I mean, yeah, the 80s were a different era, of course, you know, passbacks and... Um, Def, you know, defensive Casanaccio schemes in Italy and all that kind of thing, but but hundred percent, like a goal every other game was considered great. This is you know this is a top striker goal. Ronaldo and Messi have just like changed the whole um, concept of that. You know, turned it into like yeah, okay, one one in two is good, but <laughs> we're going to score a goal every game. And some seasons we're going to score like that was un- absolutely unheard of for for um, for a top striker to like score more than a goal a game in in their league. Uh, on in repeated seasons, you know, you'd have to go back to like the fifties or something, to fifties or sixties to see see players with that kind of profile. By the eighties and nineties, it just it just didn't happen. And now, it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. Actually, once you have like moved away, because we have got the the mega clubs uh, who are you know that much stronger within leagues. So you know, a team like Paris Saint Germain. Uh, or you know Madrid and Barcelona will, will still whoever's playing up front for them will will get a lot of goals because of you know the nature of the general kind of quality of the squads. But it will be interesting to see if you know if if we see more players in the future scoring goals at the rates of Messi or Ronaldo, or if it was just like one of these one of these kind of like peaks that was basically just because they were fantastic um, you know all timers. 
and, we'll and note that we have not mentioned the eternally underrated, even by us, Sergio Aguero. <laughs> Yeah, old Aguero. That's funny because he's he's had a funny season because he, early season he was like Sergio Aguero is having one of the most fantastic seasons he's ever had. Is probably you know finally he's going to get all the plaudits. And then he's, he he kind of he didn't go quiet, but it just it kind of felt like he drifted a little bit for a couple of months. And then two hat tricks in a week. He's now top scorer in the Premier League alongside Salah and. What a season from Sergio Aguero again! It's um, he's kind of, di- I guess it's it's as is his want. He he drifts he drifts away uh, just before the voting for player <laughs> player of the year comes out, and then then comes back and everyone's confused afterwards. I, I really enjoyed how he kind of encapsulated the variance of finishing in a single game <laughs> last time as well. Right? Yeah. That six nil against Chelsea, yeah, he misses yeah. he misses a wide open chance at the back post where he just just doesn't quite get his body shape right and puts it wide. And then score, scores a couple of, well, one insane goal and then one that was a gift that was also sort of a beautiful little finish. It's a, it's a tough technique. He scruffed it out uh, and, yeah, finishes with a, another hat trick and uh, tying the, the record for most hat tricks ever by a Premier League player with one Alan Shearer. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Apparently Dixie Dean got... 31 in the 1930s but there we go that's that's another yeah era. back when back when they scored what four four goals a game <laughs> yeah good times imagine this imagine the analytics then <laughs> <laughs> right I, I i think we've covered quite a few topics there ted you, you're good to go i i had one more thing that i wanted to say which is that a lot of the stuff that's gone up on stats bomb in the last couple of weeks has been really cool uh grace has had some great stuff uh, i think dick dorrington chewing the coca had the the Jaden sancho piece um uh, Mark Andrews has a, a thing about uh, Little Keats, uh, Nikita Paris up at uh, up at Manchester yeah. We've had City. we have had a, we've had a couple of women's football articles, and I'd really like encourage anyone to like read them, support them, you know, tweet them out, and you know, Statsbomb is, is firmly behind women's football and collecting data. Free data is out there if you, if you want to go and play with it. Make visuals, put them on Twitter. You know, it's it's all there for people, but you know, we need support as well for um, for this stuff. We're still small. Compared to like all the big media, and we've had some really good pieces. So like when you see something, you know, tell your tell your friends and uh, tell Mike, tell Mike that you like it because you know he's the one that runs the content on the site, and uh, it's been really cool lately, in my opinion. But I just thought I'd bring that to everybody's attention. Sure, no problem. We'll, I mean, we'll we'll keep making it, but you know, get get behind it and uh, you know tell people tell people that might be interested if you see something you like. So, all right, thank you very much for your time, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week. Cheers, mate.